This is Ways of Life, and I'm Krista Wells. Today, I'm talking with a new friend of mine, Johanna Middleton. Johanna is the creator of Girly Stories, which provides a space for women and girls to empower themselves via personal storytelling. She has also worked with students of all ages in Chicago and Los Angeles as an arts educator and arts-based facilitator. She's facilitated storytelling and theater workshops for UCLA, Black Women for Wellness, We Rise LA, and more. Her short film, Joey, which she wrote and stars in, is an official selection for the LA Black Film Festival. She currently co-hosts the podcast, Gray Area Stories, which focuses on the healing journeys of survivors of sexual assault. I met Johanna at an art camp for high school students called Masterpiece this summer and was so drawn to her. She is funny, smart, and articulate. And I pretty much instantly asked if I could recruit her to lead a couple sessions for my upcoming program called Life Song. So Johanna, thank you so much for being with me here today and sharing yourself and your story. Thank you so much for having me, Krista. I am so excited to know you and to be here and talking to you. I just listened before we got on our call. I just watched you in your storytelling flow on girly stories on your website. You were sharing a story about your childhood and (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) was dying because it was so clever, so smart, so honest, and so resonant with me personally, also having grown up in the church with similar stories and songs. And, um, but I also thought, you know, you could be doing a comedy stand-up routine as well, because it was so funny and your audience was just in the palm of your hand. (laughs) That's why I put that one up there because people laugh that day a lot. (laughs) Right. So you tell all kinds of stories and they're not all going to be funny. You've you get to mm-hmm. um, the heart of the matter in in real lived experiences. When you started Girly yeah. Stories, how did how did that begin? Explain to people how that evolved out in LA. Yeah, you know, um, I think it really it came out of the desire for community, um, and I think that that's what storytelling does. It's one of the things that storytelling does really well. Um, it creates community, whether it's storytelling that's happening you know, on Instagram or storytelling that's happening, um, you know, in person, uh, in a circle, which Mm. is what we did uh, once a month. Um, And yeah, it really just came out of my own relationship with so many amazing women and noticing that, you know, I was having very similar conversations with folks across uh, so many different, um, you know, pockets of my life and these folks didn't know each other. So I wanted to, you know, bring everybody together, um, and, you know, sort of ease my own social Mm. calendar because I felt like I was, you know, having 12 different coffee dates, (laughs) you know, every week and wanted to just sort of do (laughs) one big one. Um, and, and then also my background is in theater and um, I've always been drawn to uh, 
personal narrative and sharing personal narrative. And that's happened in, in different ways throughout my life. And so I knew, um, you know, from past experiences that storytelling would be a good accessible way to bring um, these women together, many of whom were also creative. Um, and, and that's how it began. I love the concept so much. For those of you who are really intrigued by this idea of gathering around storytelling, Johanna and I went into greater depth on what that looks like on a practical level, how she creates a safe space for her community on those at those gatherings. We we talked about that on the Artist and Instagram feed. Um, so if you'd like to hear more about the details and want to try that in your own community, I highly recommend you listen to that conversation. Now, the video I referenced, you talk a lot about being this, being a kid, about your childhood, and you were so imaginative. I can just almost see you as a little girl, just so <laughs> full of life, so full of energy, and the way you took in information of the world, the way you heard the stories that were given to you and what you made of them. Mm. You know, I think so many adults, as adults, it's pretty much impossible for us to know how the children in our midst are receiving the stories that we're handing. We mean one thing, they hear something else. And you really mm -hmm. um, got at that in that video. Can you share a little bit more about your childhood and what aspects of your environment and your nurturing fed this imaginative creature. Hmm. Oh, I love that that's something that you picked up on. I, I do think that because I was a first child and, um, you know, lived four years of my existence as my own playmate, mm -hmm. right? I, I just sort of, um, naturally was drawn to uh, creating stories as um, as a way to entertain myself mm -hmm. and as a way to um, express the things that I was excited about and feeling. And um, I have lots of memories. I was just talking to somebody about this, actually. Um, oh, my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, <laughs> All right. I was talking to my therapist <laughs> about um, about like not necessarily having very strong memories of childhood beyond um, playing. Mm. Like I don't, I don't really have you know strong memories um, before kindergarten. I guess of um, of anything besides. Um, playing and a lot of that is like writing stories uh you know drawing pictures and stuff uh to go in my little books hmm. um and then that just that just kept growing um i wrote a a story uh when i was probably five or six or seven um about like fairies that um lived in the forest you know like you right. do um and ended up like getting it published in a little magazine <gasps> that was it was like the haitian magazine of florida or whatever <laughs> and was so proud about that <laughs> and um 
And I feel like it just always felt like an easy way um, to express myself. Um, but I'll, I'll also say that, um, you know, I, I just, I was a very in, internal mm-hmm. kid too. Like, um, had a lot of, a lot of dreams in my head sort of thing. And, um, my uncle used to always say that I looked very intense and serious. And I think I was just sort of like always thinking in, in my head (laughs) and observing sort of thing. And so it was like, um, performing and writing became the ways in which I came alive and and became communicative but otherwise i was very internal Mm. and i think that that's something that's that stuck with me you know that that is um still true about me um i tend to be very on when i'm on and then very much in need of being off that's (laughs) So that's very yeah. resonant with me too. I, I feel very similarly. I love that you used the phrase um, being alive or feeling alive, because that's really the premise of this podcast is conversations on what brings us alive. You know, how do we experience our own aliveness to really be present for this moment? Because our lives really feel like a moment by the end of them. I think I'm not there yet. I don't think, (laughs) but, but I, um, you know, with every year, the brevity of it all. Yeah. uh, Feels truer. So I love that you talk about how in those spaces you recognize within yourself, something that wakes up is really alert. And do you also feel that in the times when you're not on, when you're just with yourself? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, And I think that that is when I'm doing some sort of meditative activity, which can also be writing. I'm a big fan, as we've talked about, of uh, the morning pages. Mm -hmm. Um, Julia Cameron's morning pages uh, sort of changed my whole life. Um, I read The Artist's Way for the first time in 2014. And ever since then, I've done morning pages. Um, and in those moments, when I'm when I'm writing, when I'm uh, doing yoga, when I'm when I'm doing something that forces me to be present to myself, and um, and helps me not judge myself, mm-hmm. um, I feel alive. How does story? storytelling story writing how mm-hmm. does that play into non-judgment i think that um once you write something down you're able to take a step back and look at it from uh, a wider lens than you might have if you um kept it inside um and so with that perspective, I think there comes a sense of grace um, or a sense of um, it being bigger than um, than the one thing that you're attached to feeling 
about it, if that makes sense. Um, so, for example, last night um, had a situation that I was telling you about earlier, where I, you know, had to take my my dog, my new dog, to the vet, and um, felt so bad and guilty. And in that moment, I was like, "This is my fault. I did something wrong." I'm already a bad dog mom, <laughs> you know, mm. like so, so deep in self-judgment. Right. Um, and writing out this morning, you know, all of the things, um, that surrounded the events of what took place that surrounded, you know, my feelings about it that surrounded, um, you know, the, just the, even the details, um, helped me to take a step back and remember that you know this is a situation that doesn't just have to do with that feeling hmm. does that make sense it makes perfect sense to me i'm a big fan of writing through emotion and and that and the paper sort of relieving me of the burden of carrying yes it all and even you know more to your point that when you see it on the page or even if you don't read it back actually but doing the writing for me it does bring about some detachment and a more objective perspective perhaps maybe it's more yes. like yeah you 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 just it fosters compassion somehow for this person who just experienced this thing i liked how you said the feeling that you were attached or something about the what you had attached as the feeling for this situation yes exactly and and i think the detachment right mm -hmm. in the writing um and the expansion i guess in mm -hmm. the writing helps to um move other feelings through um gratitude lists also really help uh with that yeah. and and i think it's a it's a similar thing right it's just like different perspective it's like i i am always actively or rather i'm not always actively grateful for the fact that like i have shelter and i have food and i you know am able to put on my clothes in the morning you know like right. but but taking a moment and stepping back and actually writing out some of those things um helps me to know them right it helps me yes. to name them to identify them and to then be able to carry that with me um as i move forward so um so i think i think storytelling um has the potential to um expand narratives and so uh narratives that are serving you or not serving you right mm -hmm. um and so being able to identify okay is this a narrative that's serving me or is this not a narrative that's serving me um is it's really useful to be able to put it down on paper and then see if it's serving you or not yes and uh, the, I love the idea. I've never really thought of it this way before, but that even gratitude journaling or gratitude lists is 
a form of storytelling. It's a, it's a, mm-hmm. I've not really connected that before, but I've been in the last several months practicing before I even get out of bed. I have mm-hmm. on my bed a pen and a journal that was given to me called the five minute journal. I think it is. And you're supposed to write down three things that you're thankful for before you get out of bed. Like as soon as you can, when you wake up, three things I'm thankful for. Um, I think it's three things that would make today great. Basically, mm. three things you have some control over. Like I can meditate, I can drink water or whatever you want to write. And yeah. then there's a space for affirmations. And Ooh. it literally changes my brain in the morning. I feel yeah. a shift as a person who very often wakes up anxious. As soon as I lean into a different story, the story being there are things here and now right in front of your face to be grateful for. There are things you have control over. Yeah. There are things you have within you. It's I, I appreciate Ooh. that you mentioned gratitude in that. What, what is some new awareness you're having around your internal stories during this particular season of your life? What are you waking to or... Um, what stories are you replacing, if you don't mind sharing? Ooh, what a good question. Um, you know, I'll bring back in therapy, which, which hey, is also storytelling, right? Mm. What do we do in yeah. therapy? We tell stories. <laughs> um, something that I feel like I've been um, unpacking is my relationship to intimacy Mm. um, in different forms. And I think that I've been unpacking my relationship to intimacy. And I think um, a story that I'm rewriting is that, um, you know, no one, (laughs) no one will ever uh, love me in the way that I want to be loved and the way that I want to love. Um, And I think that as dramatic as that sounds, um, I'm only now realizing (laughs) that like that's at the core of what like insert like other, other things, right? Like as in, um, there have been other things that have come up that seem to be um, really just a symptom of that same narrative, right? Yeah. And the uh, you know insane thing is I have so much love in my life, <laughs> right? <laughs> like I I am packed to the gills. Is that the expression? <laughs> I like <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> with with love and um and i can even constantly think um you know about how grateful i am for all the love i have in my life and so i think that's part of why it's like it was a sneaky little thing um hmm. that i hadn't realized i was i was really still working through so um i feel like that's the big one yeah I was just speaking with someone this morning and um, about her work, her desire to create music in the world. And 
um, it's interesting how if if we are asked the question, you know, what would you do? What would you love to do most? Mm-hmm. You know, um, dream big. Just instantly, almost before we can articulate a dream, what comes up faster is all the resistance, all the reasons, all the self consciousness about having sure. dreams, about saying it out loud. We feel foolish. And what I am becoming more and more and more aware of is how we are, how it's so true that we are just meaning-making, storytelling machine factories. And so every time that voice comes up faster than we can even dream something beautiful or positive in our lives, that's a story. Yes. You know, and, and... what you're saying, what I hear you saying is that you're becoming aware of how this one story about intimacy is then it's got like tentacles into all these different facets of life. Yeah. Because yeah. We're, we're in relationship with everything. We're in relationship with our physical space, with our vocation, with our family of origin, with our coworkers, strangers on the street. It's, you know, so that intimacy thing is going to come up everywhere as is whatever our deal is, you know, it's pretty fascinating. (laughs) Yes. It's like, yeah, you can't, you can't escape it. And it's funny how um, it disguises itself so easily, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but, but then um, if you're paying attention and I think that's part of, that's also part of what um, storytelling or paying attention to your stories uh, does is you start to notice patterns and you start to notice um, you start to notice how you're constructing that meaning and um, and I think part of what was so powerful about girly stories and and really any space in which um, folks are sharing stories in a collective um, is that you start to hear how other people also think like you uh-huh. or you hear how someone thinks differently than you. <laughs> right. And then you're like, oh, there's another way of dealing with this thing that I'm dealing with. Incredible, you know? <laughs> and um, and I think both things are valuable. Um, and and I think it's it's one of the the best parts about uh, facilitating storytelling spaces. Uh, just seeing folks resonate um, or just have those aha enlightenment moments uh, because of hearing a situation reflected in somebody else's story that resonates with them. Man, you're so right, and in this particular era in which we are living, we're all aware of how polarized, you know, our society has become. And yet probably each of us, if we really did some digging, could think of a time when we've been in the room with someone we felt completely polarized from until they told a story mm-hmm. that opened us to a uh, to them in a deeper way where we saw their humanity. We saw something that resonated with us in even in the smallest way. Totally. Or, or we saw something that was like completely foreign to us. And yet maybe the emotion contained in their experience is something familiar to us. And it, it just makes me want to have one giant 
storytelling circle <laughs> with you facilitating it <laughs> worldwide. I mean, I, I just love that you're doing this work. And um, I want people to hear about gray area stories, which is another forum that you've created for storytelling. Can you share about that? Yeah. So uh, Gray Area Stories, uh, the podcast is a co-creation um, and co-created with one of my best friends, uh, Erica Michelle Hart is her full name. <laughs> and um, she actually uh, did a documentary a few years ago um, of the same name, Gray Area Stories, about her experience having a conversation you know, being in dialogue with um, a man who had sexually assaulted her. And this was something that she'd, um, you know, arranged with him after he reached out to her, um, you know, in the height of the Me Too movement, you know, unfolding, realizing that, you know, he'd been in this non-consensual situation. And so, um, you know, in that process, the process of raising money for the film and the process of, uh, you know, doing just promotional stuff for it, um, we just heard so many stories and saw that there were so many people who were um, eager to put down um, the burden of holding on to their survivor stories, right? Mm. Um, and really just um i think finding finding comfort in letting it go you know because i i i remember in that time right um when me too exploded on the internet and everyone was just sharing survivor stories like mm -hmm. for me it was hard to read all of those stories mm -hmm. um and i'm not sure uh, you know how many folks who uh, who were, you know, on the internet during Me Too were reading stories as much as wanting to share them, if that makes sense. Hmm. Um, and so... You mean share in terms of sharing, a, like reposting, resharing? No, or like sharing in, their own in, terms, stories. in terms of sharing their own stories, as in like, it, it seemed to me like a um, a real moment of catharsis in terms of like just letting it out. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that because of of seeing that, witnessing that, um, both on the larger scale of, you know, Me Too, and then also, um, you know, in the experience of preparing for this film, um, we talked about, you know, what if we had a space for survivors to share their stories um, and wanting to really think about the healing journey um, of survivors and 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 knowing that you know if you're a survivor and if you are um, on this planet <laughs> it is likely that you are a survivor of something um, but if, right. if you're a, a survivor of sexual trauma, which is many of us, um, then, you know, you're also a person who does other things and has other 
stories, right? So, right. so we really wanted to create a space that um, marked survivors as not just survivors, but as whole people who are, you know, moving towards their best selves, just like everyone, um, whether right. you identify as a survivor or not. And then thinking about, okay, how with our, you know, sexual trauma, do we take care of ourselves in the best way? But but yeah, so so the so the podcast uh, has been around for a year. We're about to launch our second season, and um, we're going to be some other projects with Gray Area Stories. So yeah, it's 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 definitely a, a labor of love right now. But we do have yeah. a Patreon. I w- I'm glad <laughs> so. you mentioned that. I was going to bring that up. That's so wonderful that you've just launched that recently, right? Yes, yes, After, we just launched right. it like two weeks ago. Okay. Great. I'm definitely going to post that in the show notes as well. So people can um, join in there. I love Patreon. It's community focused and I love that. Um, But I'm really so grateful for what you're creating there because as we were talking about off the air earlier in an era where there is a lot of noise, a lot of fear, a lot of anger, a lot of things worth discussing and becoming aware of you are taking an important issue and creating something redemptive out of it without bypassing the real pain and harm caused. It feels to me like the survivors who are sharing their stories are being really truly honored and treated Mm -hmm. with dignity of being whole persons beyond being victims. Right. And, and I can imagine I myself haven't walked that road of sexual being a sexual assault victim, but I can imagine that if I were, that hearing a story of the incident might give me a sense of you're not the only one, you're not alone, but hearing a healing journey is going to take me the next step on my own path. It's going to inspire me to, okay, there's more coming. There's more coming. The story doesn't stop here. Yes. Yes. That is our hope. That is our hope. And um, I know that, you know, part of the reason why that was such an emphasis is, um, you know, we both talked about how, you know, in the discussion of creating the podcast, how in incidents that we experienced, um, you know, around sexual trauma, that we just wanted to be able to experience some sort of comfort, um, some sort of, um, we wanted, we wanted something to do that felt good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, after the event, um, and I think that, you know, in our society, there's this uh, emphasis when it comes to sexual assault on like, um, are you going to report? Are you, are you not going to report? Are you going to tell? Or are you not going to tell? Hmm. There's so much um, emphasis actually on like the, the storytelling of yes. it, yes. Um, but not in a way that... Um, feels led by the survivors, uh, the storytellers um, process or pace. Mm -hmm. Um, And so 
really thinking about like, okay, how can we, how can we protect uh, and uh, create the space needed to um, to facilitate that storytelling process in its time, how it wants to be told, and how can we like protect ourselves in that process? You know, yeah. um, so so I think I think that's that's part of that's part of it, and um, and now we also ask. Um, you know how how do we envision a world without rape culture, and and what do we do to get there? Um, to all of our guests, because you know we are individual survivors, but this is a part of you know a larger system, and and I think it's important to think about both um, you know the differences in our stories and and also the patterns and and the ways that you know this is something that affects all of us um and is a you know result of how the world is constructed um to uh <laughs> to keep the people in power who have power <laughs> maybe i i laugh i laugh because uh we like went there very quickly uh, <laughs> and um and i and i feel like that's an easy thing to say but i do think it's true so i'll say it <laughs> yeah you got to tell the true story right right <laughs> that's right um, what i'm curious first of all i'm just i'm mesmerized by the wisdom in taking that direction on your podcast that so we already mentioned how you've gone from me too to um the healing journey beyond me too and now you're saying what would it look like can we envision together a culture uh how did you say it a, a world without a rape world culture. a world mm -hmm. without rape culture and then how do we get there have you already done some of these conversations on that how do we get there i'm curious what conversations have arisen around that question yeah well well, one thing I'll say is that a pattern that we've noticed is that the world without rape culture um, seems to look like for everyone that we've talked to so far um, mm -hmm. with women walking boldly <laughs> and mm -hmm. walking uh, freely and with their heads held high and their chests out and their yeah. um, like everyone has given a response about walking. So I think that that's really interesting. Um, it's like that relates to our forward movement, you know, our ability to go in the direction we want to go, our ability to change our situation, our agency, right? Um, wow. And and then also just freedom in your body, right? right. Um, possession of your body, etc. Um, and in terms of how we get there, we've heard things about like okay having dialogue about um making sure that we are holding everyone accountable and and that this this isn't just something that um concerns women women aren't the only um you know community to be um victims of sexual trauma mm -hmm. of course um you know 
any gender can experience right. sexual trauma. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, I think that, you know, trans folks and, and uh, there are, of course, certain communities that are going to be even more, more vulnerable to right. sexual trauma. So um, it's like, there's, there's so many layers there, but um, I think, I think many folks have talked about um, just having these conversations, um, which I think really has to do with changing consciousness, right? In order to, to change culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And referencing something you said a few minutes ago about how people often kind of come at sexual assault survivors with what are you going to do about it? What is it, you know, what's going to happen? Are you going to report? Um, which is, you said, as you said, very focused on the external story or on the story that really is, how are they going to handle it outwardly? Mm -hmm. um, but there really are two levels that you're addressing throughout this entire conversation, which is they're the internal stories that we are wrestling with, reconciling, replacing, and then there's the out outer story. And something I've been thinking about lately is how when we only operate with the internal story, but don't engage with culture, you know, in these outer conversations, we are ineffective, you know, we, we might have grand ideals, but nothing is changing. And so you're courageously mm -hmm. hosting the these conversations. And then on the flip side, if we are all externally driven, force change, make calls, sign petitions, overthrow, whatever, but we are not changed in telling better stories internally, then in a sense, we replace one form of violence with another. And it's, it, I don't know if you have any thoughts to add on that, but it's something I've been really mulling over as I myself have some things going on in my immediate vicinity that are calling for both <laughs> a lot of internal work and some external action. I think that's so smart and wise. And I mean, I, I do think that both feed into each other, right? Um, as, you know, the saying goes, the personal is political, right? And mm. it's like, we can look at our personal stories and um, and and find the patterns and find the ways in which we can all organize around um, around certain uh, truths that we know are true because we're seeing them resonate in in each other, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then also understanding that like, we all are still coming from very different places, very different positionalities. Um, and so being able to hold both of those things, I think is, is crucial. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that with the podcast, we are, we are honoring personal stories in order to, um, to not just, you know, honor the survivor, but honor the collective um, you know, experience of survivors and mm. um, and challenge the the system. So that that's the hope. That is the hope and the goal. And 
Um, and we're going to keep, keep trying and getting better at it, hopefully. And um, that's the plan. That's so beautiful. I love that so much, and especially what you just said about both honoring the survivors while also challenging the system to grow. Um, I've been focusing a lot lately on how something that's truly loving to an individual will also be truly loving to the whole, to the community. Mm -hmm. And something that's truly in the best interest of the community is also in the best interest of the individual. Um, now, feel free to challenge me on that, anybody listening. It's just something that I'm mulling over in pushback, perhaps, to conversations where people are wanting to choose one or the other, the individual or the community. And yeah. I just uh, was listening to the Dalai Lama say the other day, community is made up of individuals. So a healthy community is made up of healthy individuals. So we have... When we mm. want to serve our community, we do prioritize prioritize telling better stories within ourselves mm -hmm. so that the story of the collective can become better. Totally. And more beautiful. Totally. Man, I love knowing you. I'm so excited that I intersected with you this summer and that I get to keep knowing you. I'm excited for our friends who are going to work with you in our Life Song program on their stories, their narratives. And I um, just want to thank you for being you in the world. Can we, can I ask you, I think I may have asked you this on our Instagram conversation, but let me ask you for the podcast. What is something that you love about being you? Uh, yes. It's funny, Krista, because ever since you asked me that, I've been thinking about it more. Mm. Um Something that I love about being me is my openness. And it's something that sometimes gets me in trouble, mm -hmm. but it's something that also has made for a life that has been, at least to me, full of connection, full of adventure and uh, full of change. And change can be hard, but it also grows you. So I feel like um, my openness has led to big moments of growth that have felt, you know, all sorts of ways, but yes, growth is, growth is good. <laughs> growth is good. And openness is beautiful and kind of rare. So I love that about you too. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. It, it's just restorative and life-giving to talk to you. So thank you. And thanks to everybody who's listening. Make sure you check out Johanna's work online. And I would love it if you'd subscribe to our little podcast here. Get it in the ears of more people and share it with your friends. Like the